In episode 464 with Kyle Cease, we are talking personal transformation, fear, growth, evolution, self-worth, relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I have wanted to have Kyle on the show for so long, and it's finally happening today. And for those of you that have never heard of Kyle Cease, he is an actor, transformational comedian, and New York Times bestselling author, and he has a gift of merging comedy with personal transformation, which is awesome because personal development and personal transformation and growth, all of that, it doesn't have to be so serious. So I love that he brings comedy to it. Now he was doing stand-up comedy at the age of 12 and was headlining by 18, which is super young in that world. He has been in some mega movies such as 10 Things I Hate About You, Not Another Teen Movie, and so many more. He has had two number one Comedy Central specials and was voted number one ranking on Comedy Central's stand-up showdown, which is pretty amazing. After leaving his job as an award-winning comedian, he dedicated his life to helping others and created Evolving Out Loud, which is a growing community with over 400,000 members worldwide. He has personally coached over 15,000 people and his YouTube videos have been watched over 60 million times. Holy moly. He has also spoken with world-renowned teachers like Eckhart Tolle, Jim Carrey, Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and David Wolfe, Michael Beckwith and Marianne Williamson who have been on the show. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 464. Now let's bring on the incredible Kyle Cease. Kyle, I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Yes. So it was an eating day today. I don't eat every other day. So I had two green juices this morning for breakfast. Yum. Okay. So what? You don't eat one day and then you eat the next day? Yeah. I'm on day 30 right now. I'm going uh, day 30 out of 90 days where I'm fasting every other day. I have a deal with my audience and my team that if I eat on a not eat day, I'm going to wear a pink Speedo and do my live call topless with a pink Speedo. <laughs> and this sounds crazy, and it is. It's completely crazy. I don't know why I'm like, that sounds crazy, but the, no, it's totally nuts. But someone sent me a picture of the Speedo that I might wear, and this has leveraged me to really make sure I don't cheat on this. And it's changing my life. It's changing my life not just because of getting fitter, 
I, as a child, felt more connected to my parents at a restaurant. I associate more love to a restaurant than at home. At home, there, you know, there, someone can be more spaced out in a crabby mood. It's where they live. We had an office in the house. My dad was often half there energetically. So as a kid, I felt like when we were at a restaurant, I was really seen and loved. So fasting every other day is insane because I always know there's this egoic part of me that's looking forward to what I kind of call false connection. I'm looking forward to getting to a restaurant because my default setting is I don't feel love till I'm there or at least heading towards it. This fasting every other day, the purpose of it is for me to get very present with the idea that that's not necessarily the highest truth. And then notice this little boy that's hoping that he can get to a restaurant and has nothing to look forward to otherwise. And it's making me profoundly present. It's changing my content. I'm now switching to other addictions that are like that. I'm now off of all social media, YouTube, everything. And I find higher level callings because I'm not distracted. And I feel like it's helping me move from the boy to the man version of me, just me and my power, me and my connection. And I find now I have so many other every other day is so making me so present that I find that the most productive thing I could do is just sit in a chair outside and and listen to the wind. And the less doing that I'm doing, the more that I'm here, it's creating a space for much more to happen with no effort. So it's really it's not about just fasting for health. It's it's a much higher thing than that. Yeah, because our relationship with food is very internal. You know, the addictions that you spoke about, the stories that we have around it, like you shared with the restaurant, it's really fascinating. And I'm sure at times it's been really uncomfortable too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I find that if you're following your truest self, if you're following your highest thing, you know, I kind of think of there's two types of uncomfortable. There's an uncomfortable feeling that we have, and then we numb it with an addiction. That's kind of a stagnant feeling, which I think is a much more depressing feeling. And then there's the uncomfortable that you're bringing to the light by changing yourself. So I, I like that one. I, that pain sometimes feels even like a little bit more of a stab, but it's in purpose and it's shedding something that's no longer you. Right. So like if you were a third grader and you were to move to fourth grade, you might feel the pain of saying goodbye to third grade. That's the good one. But if you stayed a third grader forever and felt incomplete and then you started numbing it with Facebook and, you know, social media and alcohol and drugs and stayed a third grader for life, you'd have this other kind of holding on to these suitcases, never advancing your soul type of uncomfortable that uh, I don't opt for. So I like the whatever my highest truth is, and that always is followed by the removal and the crying out and the, the release of a false you that no longer serves you anymore. So I like being uncomfortable if it's that one. Mm. It's interesting how much time eating and prepping food takes up. I did a juice cleanse many, many years ago, and I remember not eating during that time. And I had so much spare time because I wasn't prepping food. I wasn't sitting and eating food and then I wasn't cleaning up. And I love that a few people might do that and then fill that time with more social media or with more work or with more doing. But instead, you've used that time to just sit and listen to the wind. And I'm sure so much wisdom has come up for you. Yeah. You know, it's weird because there's 
always information trying to happen for you. I mean, 24-7. And the more I do this work, the more I realize whether it's your higher self, God, or the universe, whatever you want to call it, is completely here with complete healing, with forgiveness, with compassion, with just this space right now that's here right now is what I really believe is love. I believe that the the love that we've created through movies and, and love songs is actually attachment and in a way stuckness and fear, right? I mean, it's fine to fall in love, but it's a high type love that's the same kind of love that you get when you win at a casino, but that's not necessarily you. And the now's love is so much more fulfilling, but it also brings you, the longer you listen to silence, whether your eyes are open or not, the longer you're just listening to this now and you're not grabbing your phone and going through whatever, the more that it has the truth of you, the worthiness that you are, the power that's inside of you, the permission, the release of fear, the release of all the characters that's worried about how you look to other people or what if you do it wrong. I mean, none of those scared patterns are actually you, right? I mean, if, a, if you can cry out an attachment and still exist, there's no way you were that attachment, which means there's no way you are any of your fears. So everything you have that feels like a limitation, don't ever say, I feel, or not, not I feel, but like, don't ever say, I am a procrastinator, or I am a worrier, or I am not someone that does this, because it's just a pattern based on your past that has nothing to do with the truth of you. And most of us have never seen what we truly are. We just are really addicted to what we've been for a long time, but that's just clothing you've worn. So you can cry that out. And on the other side of it is a really, really incredible you that's right here. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned, you know, the power of our words. You know, I am a procrastinator. I am tired. I am this. I am that. The word that comes after I am is so powerful. It's their spells. They're, we're putting that out into the universe. And you have this really cool reframe that I absolutely love. You know, say someone was going to say, I'm nervous about this date or this interview or this talk. And then you say at the end, and I love that. And when I heard you say this, I was like, this is awesome. I love this. And it's such a simple reframe because you're acknowledging how you feel or what is bubbling up inside you. And you're saying, and I love that. And that then allows you to still be in the moment and not go off in the past or in the story around, oh, I'm scared or I'm nervous or whatever. And then that usually leads to, I don't feel good enough or worthy or whatever it is. So I love that reframe. How did you come up with that? Well, that's actually a way I've been doing it like 2014, 2015, 2016. I still use that somewhat, but I'll tell you the last two years, things have gotten so much more profound for me that have gotten even deeper. So I'll tell you about that and kind of tie it to that question. In the last two years, one of the great things about COVID was I think that it forced a lot of us to be kind of our higher selves. And one of the things that I did was I switched out of being a touring speaker and performer to doing everything online and being home for the last two years. And so in the last two years, I've become so much more present. I'm such a better father. I'm so much more here, you know, so many different things have happened. 
And also I did 1400 one-on-ones along with a Sunday call and a Wednesday call every single week. And then other bonus calls or giant two-day events or whatever. So I don't know what the hours are, but probably in the last two years, I probably logged in like 3000 more hours of, of doing this work. And one of the things that I've noticed is in our body, okay, first of all, almost everything that you're doing, almost every time we go, what do I do about this? There's an implication under it that if you don't do it the right way, something will happen. And so we've all created these doers and you hear it with, I got to make money. I got to figure out how to do it the right way. I got to whatever. And I, I've discovered that under that pattern is an energy that is specific to each person that is, if I don't, something will happen from my childhood, right? So when the people are like, I got to do this, otherwise my parents will divorce again and I have to take over. Otherwise I'll disappoint someone like I did my dad. Otherwise I'll be abandoned, like when my mom didn't show up to pick me up at school. Otherwise I'll be abused, like when my dad hit me. Like under the I have to energy, or even the I don't know what to do energy is an unconscious dark childhood trauma pattern. And it's in almost every single person. What I believe 2020 and 2021 are is almost like the universe is bringing all those patterns to light. So if you were a child and you were yelled at, your body as a child doesn't know how to process it. So you start to create something And you call that you and you create this character that you think is you, but is actually a defense mechanism or a protective mechanism that makes sure you don't get scared again or hurt again, right? So then you call that me, you say your name, like I'm someone who's always really quiet. Well, in your childhood, when you spoke out a line, your dad screamed at you or something. So you created this character. The universe is clearing those things out right now. The false yous are being cleared out. And so one of the ways that I help people deal with that is I often say to them when they're like, I have to get my business started or whatever. I often say, okay, if you don't, what happens? In your childhood, if you don't do it right, if you don't get something done, if you don't achieve what happens, they often say, then I'm unloved, or then I'm alone, or then I'm in physical danger, or and then I'm a failure. Like literally everything in their body was to not be a failure. So what I have them now say is I have them take a deep breath because you're actually the person in the now. And I have them say to the pattern something like, you're allowed to be a failure in my body you're allowed to be unloved in my body. And you usually watch them break into tears right there. And the reason is because they spent their life avoiding whatever failing because they associate that as then their dad will shame them or something like that, or their mom will or whatever. So they've never even thought of what if I just am a failure and that's also okay. And it's not that we're aiming for being a failure. It's that we're aiming for learning unconditional love. And we need to learn it in everything. We need to learn that I love you even if you're a failure. I love you even if you are feeling abandoned. I love you if you're abused, right? And this is going all the way to empaths that have problems with people that are narcissistic saying, I love to the pattern in their own body. I love you even if you're a narcissist in certain areas, right? It's learning that you draw into your life the thing that's buried in your body that you keep shaming. 
And so if you are trying to be rich because you're scared to death to be broke, if you say to the pattern, I love you even if you're broke, then the pattern doesn't have to live in this unconscious fight or flight all the time. So I've watched in the 1400 one-on-ones is pretty much every person I worked with, if they had a thing in their body, which we all do, we have a ton of things in our body that are things we're saying, I can never feel that again because I associate that to death. But if you could learn that you're the one that loves that thing, then the inner child knows that even if that happens, you're still with me. That changes the whole dynamic. And then you're not creating out of a fear of failure or a fear of non-worthiness. So you're not creating some pendulum swing where you're building your business out of a fear of failure. That's the old consciousness. You don't want that anymore. In the new consciousness now, you want to just let... God or the universe or the higher you create through you. And sometimes it can't because you keep living in this fight or flight fear of abandonment or whatever. And if you could find a level of forgiveness for that and love and acceptance, it usually dissolves pretty quickly. So in my eyes, we're here to learn to love and everything in our bodies, like everything, that person, blah, blah, blah about me. So what do you feel? I feel unseen. Boom. You're allowed to feel unseen in my body. Okay. Now you are the present moment and not the child that's been running everything. Now you're the space of love for the child. And this is the most profound experience because you start to realize that false child was defending itself as a child, but still is running your patterns when you're 50, right? And you have a five-year-old you in fight or flight trying to create your business or whatever. And if you get your the now, then much bigger can just create through you. So don't get too caught in the circumstances, get more interested in the feeling and love the feeling. And you're going to be shocked at what starts to happen to you. Mm, I love that so much. I love it. And I'm sure so many of us can look back and see our patterns, see our childhood patterns. You know, as you were speaking, I was like, oh, yep, there's one for me. Yep, there's one for me. There's one for me. And I love this. I love this idea of just allowing it to be in your body and then allowing yourself to feel safe and seen and unconditionally loved so that you can let it go and be in the present moment. Yes. The more I do this work, I really think that if you follow some higher calling and then you cry out some you that didn't want to do it and then it leaves and suddenly it's just normalized that you're in the higher calling, then that means to me, the higher calling must be you. It must be more you because when that thing is cried out, you're still here. So the pattern that was worried can leave your body and you'll still be here. So that now space must be more me because I've, I used to hold on to beliefs that there's a belief that I am this thing. Well, then I cried that out and I'm still here and I don't believe that anymore. So you can't be your beliefs. So the more I do this work, I must be the now. I have to be. And this is kind of our journey into oneness, which is what this moving to a higher density thing is, where you hear people talking about the fourth density or the fifth dimension, you know, that we're going to a higher dimension. That makes sense. Or, or a higher density. This place we're talking about literally is lighter because you live more in the now and you're not holding a past story that actually has a heavier density to it. 
So this time is purging our old heaviness and our false stories and our my accomplishment or my victim story or my past or my achievements. None of those things are you. Even your greatest achievement from five years ago doesn't touch what you are right now. And if you undo your attachment to those things, it's going to be surreal what starts to happen through you. And it's trying to birth a new world through you. That's what I'm starting to really get. It's actually birthing a new world through you. And what it's doing in this time is trying to clear out our clutter and our self-judgment and our hate and everything. And it can't do it until that's removed. So that's why we're fighting and going through hell right now in certain areas, because as we think that we're the past story. But if you understand what's going on, this is the most exciting, profound time ever if you understand what's going on so you can participate in it along with the universe. I absolutely agree. I love that so much. So how can we support our children so that they don't have to do all of this work that we're doing right now? Like, Share with me, because I have a, at the time of recording this, 13-month-old baby, and I've got a 16-year-old bonus son. What do we do now so that they don't have to do all of this unraveling that we're doing? That's a great question. And I hope this answer is exciting for you. But I find that everything matches your inner work with yourself. You know, the more that I'm trying to shift someone else, it's almost out of some trauma or trigger that's in my body and I don't know it. It's almost like, you know, and I know people can hear that and be like, well, what if there's a blah, blah, blah in your house or a robber or whatever? It's not what I'm talking about. We have certain areas that we're supposed to have fight or flight, but we use fight or flight all day about everything, about just being triggered by someone not understanding us or whatever. Even the dinging and pinging from our phones put us into fight or flight. Well, some of us, you know, if our nervous system is so wired, the dinging and the pinging can put you into fight or flight. So yes, if there's a robber, Yes, you need to run away. But our nervous systems are so wired right now that anything is putting us in fight or flight. Yes. And that's why our shifting is permission for our children, right? It's it's like I, I had a, a client today, actually, who is a mom of two. And she has this calling to potentially do a podcast and, and start a women's group. And she's worried that it would be selfish. Now, the reason, because she's a mom, right? So that, that it would be not being with her kids every second. The reason that I'm encouraging her to do the podcast isn't about the podcast itself nearly as much as she needs to undo her petrified fear of being selfish. Because here's the ironic twist, is if you keep telling your kids to follow their dreams while you completely shut yours off in front of them, your kids are going to do what you do. And then they're going to have kids and tell their kids to follow their dreams while they stay in things that they don't want to be in. So ironically, your fear of selfishness is actually much more selfish because you're staying in your smallness and you're telling your kids that, you know, they can do anything. So they're really learning stay in your smallness, but tell everyone you can do everything versus just becoming what they are. A parent living in their truth is permission for the kids to live in their truth. A parent repressing themselves is a normalized world where repressing yourself is how life works. That's the world. That's the only thing they understand. So being in your power, you're going to be shocked at how many things in your body you can release 
this is really crazy. And when you do, the things that you were holding on to that you now released will start to come to you. So this all ties into the question with children. But I had a couple people in my life a while ago that we lost contact for a while. And I felt really unseen about it. I felt like they didn't know the whole thing about it. We just kind of disconnected. But there was a higher me that said, you need to let them go. The ego me was holding on to them and, and wanting them to understand my perspective about stuff. But at the same time, the higher me was like, actually, I don't know that they align with you anymore. And that's fine. There's something that I have for you. So I spent a couple years feeling about them and feeling unseen and feeling triggered. And at one point, I actually released them and completely cried them out and just totally surrendered them and felt completely, it's fine that I'm moving forward in my life. And two days later, they called me. And, and I know this is how it works. There's a, there's a thing in our body that... It's saying, I need this thing to be different. So what life does is it's trying to show you that's in there and it can't give you the thing you actually want because you got a law of attraction thing trapped in your body. If you have a pattern in your body that you do not want to go broke because when you were a kid, your family went homeless or something like that. And you try as hard as you can to use force to create whatever income you can. Life is going to keep making you broke or making the business fall apart or whatever until you finally cry this deeper thing out. When you do that, you're going to start suddenly seeing the world from a different angle and you're going to be weirded out at how many things synchronistically come to you because you're not in the law of attraction vibration of don't be broke, don't be broke, don't be broke. And so when you finally release the core trauma pattern of something, it changes it, which is why if you need your kids to change, then you have something in you that's saying you want them to be like whatever, your childhood, or you want them to be what you pictured, or you want them to be your expectation. And you're creating force which doesn't allow them to heal their own thing. So if you can bring a, an unconditional love of presence while also keeping them safe or not violent or dark or anything, but becoming a space of unconditional love while you cry out the patterns inside of you that you think that say things should be different, you're going to be shocked at how fast your kids change and move into a space of the matching of the unconditional love that you just found for yourself. Mm, absolutely. I speak to a lot of people about parents, parenting, guilt, all of that stuff. And I find that for me, the biggest way to inspire and to lead by example is to be the embodiment. Like you said before, if you want to teach your kids to follow your dreams, then you've got to follow your dreams. You know, that saying, monkey see, monkey do. And literally, they are copying everything that we do. So the beliefs that we have about ourselves and about the world, that is their modeling. That is what they see. So if we want to teach them to follow their dreams, we have to embody that. It's so important. It comes back to us. It really does. And I want to talk a little bit more about relationships and soulmates because relationships are such a huge part of our life. And finding your soulmate or being with your soulmate like or your lover, whatever you want to call it, that's a huge part of our life. And you say that no one has ever broken your heart. They broke your expectation. And in breaking your expectation, that gets you closer to your heart. And I absolutely love that you say that. 
But how can we be in relationships? Is it possible to be in relationships with zero expectations with your partner or with your friends? Some people say to me, oh, but Melissa, then they'll just walk all over me or then they'll just use me. So how do we be in relationships with zero expectations? If you're in your heart and that makes them walk all over you and you're, you have no expectations on them and that makes them crappy to you, they're not the right person for you, <laughs> right? Because there are some people that also want to live in their heart too and want to be in their highest. And it's almost like the sentence you said, what people say to you almost implies that if you're not in some kind of weird forced rules-based attachment, fear, expectation, that they're going to be totally crappy to you. And that our job is to be in some contracted, crazy, painful thing. I believe very much the way that I see it, and I absolutely support that we're all different and see it differently. You know, my number one thing is that I'm here to expand. That's the first part of it. I'm here to expand and continue to expand and find the highest me and allow the patterns that are inside me to heal. There was one point in my life where a relationship felt like it would be the opposite of that. And at that time, I think I was right. At the time, it felt like it's not freedom. It's a bunch of rules. Everyone gets mad at you. It's a bunch of what you can't do. You got to put your rules on them. You guys just have all these things. And at that point in my life, I could feel it's almost like the universe was telling me, don't be in a relationship right now. And that's fine because later things can change, right? So if you are saying it's only freeing for me to not be in a relationship, that's fantastic. That's a really, really cool thing. And I also felt that way and also felt that I should be in a relationship while ignoring that the universe was telling me you're supposed to not be. And then the universe kicked my ass during that. It was like, I told you don't be in one right now. I need you to be in what you perceive as freedom right now because later it has another lesson for you. And at one point I realized it would be freer for me to be in one to be in my higher self, to be in one. Like at, you know, at one point for a person who has their 21st birthday, if alcohol suddenly becomes a thing that it's legal for you at 21, it would be expansive possibly for a person who's never drank on their 21st birthday to go to a bar and get drunk, right? That's not necessarily what you want for your life, but it might be an expansive move. But if you've done that for 30 years, it might be more freeing to stop drinking. It might be more freeing to expand yourself. So a relationship can have a massive purpose of you if it's also, it's you got to really learn to listen to the highest you though, because the highest you is telling you right now if you're ready for a relationship or not. And that little what you know is the truth for you that you don't have to negotiate against that or force it or do what your parents told you you need to do. You really got to learn to hear, is a relationship right for me right now? And it's not based on if the right person's showing up. It's based on in your body, is it right? But it, you know, like there's that term of a kid in a candy store. A kid in a candy store committed to one candy bar might have a crappy life, but at one point it might be freer for that kid to leave the candy store because they were at one point looking all over the place. So a relationship can be very expansive if you're choosing it based on your choice and it's something that can take you higher and higher and higher. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And just because someone comes into your life, you don't have to think, oh, well, that person I'm meant to be with because they've presented themselves to me. I know for me in my very late teens and early twenties, 
a lot of the boyfriends that I dated were because they just showed interest in me. They literally showed interest in me. And I was like, well, obviously it's meant to be because they've showed interest in me and they like me and they're here in front of me. So I'll date them. And they were nice guys, you know. But if I had have just stopped and tuned in and asked myself, is it in my highest good to have this relationship right now, then it might have been a different story. So I love that, you know, just because something, an opportunity presents itself to you, whether this is in a relationship, a business, whatever opportunity presents to you, stop, go within, close your eyes, take a few really deep breaths and ask your higher self and listen to the answer. But I know a lot of people might be thinking, okay, how do I listen to my higher self? Maybe they feel very disconnected from their higher self. Maybe they've never heard their higher self. How do we hear our higher self and how do we cultivate a relationship with it so that that becomes the default? Well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things my friend Daryl Anka, who channels Bashar, was saying on a call we did recently, something that I also saw in myself, your higher self doesn't always have to be these giant profound things, right? It doesn't have to be like a lot of people think their highest self is screaming to write a book right now, (laughs) right? But your higher self is also saying, I need to rest or I need to let go or I just need to switch to water or I need to have a salad instead of a burrito tonight. Your higher self is a very gentle thing that's trying to take you to like, hey, meditation could be a 10 or just, you know, just relaxing a minute. Or you could ask yourself, is it my highest self to flip through Instagram all day, right? And people would probably say no, yet they do it all day. Okay, so we just listen to the higher self and we just don't do that for a while. Just notice the urge to do something that you know is a giant passing addiction and then honor that you know that and don't do it for a while. You'll be shocked what you're flipping through is suddenly replaced with. (laughs) You know, being caught in the Johnny Depp trial is one thing, but when you stop grabbing onto that and you just get here for a minute, you'll notice that the universe is going to flip through next levels of you, higher callings. I mean, I've discovered I have 10 hours of content a day if I want it. There's always something here for me to hear or for me to share. Sometimes the highest says, don't share this. Like, I want you to hear this for you and not just make content out of it. And so we got to get really good at just understanding that exists. You know it's there when you just have those little moments where you go, what if I, what if I do this? What if I let go of this? What if we flew to Italy? What if, I, what if I let go of this? What if I just went to bed early? Even that, like just those little moments. What if I tonight didn't go to the bar and I went to bed at 8 p.m.? That's a highest self, right? So when you start following one, the more you do that, the more it starts to come in faster and faster and faster and give you more and more and more. But I promise for every person watching, if you have no evidence of it, that doesn't mean it's there. It's our job to start just with a little thing. Have one less bite of food. Say no to a person that you were going to get dinner with that you deep down hope they cancel, (laughs) right? Like those little moments are highest self. And I've now learned it's foolproof. It's literally trying to walk me to a different planet, right? And... Another thing to know about the highest self is it has nothing to do with your circumstances. In other words, if you think, should I date this person? That's different than am I ready for a relationship, right? You're making it, well, the circumstances, this person's here and available. So 
your highest self is not based on your own inner calling. It's based on that someone's filling something for you. Or if you even go, I want to live here, but it doesn't look good on paper. You know what I mean? Okay. On paper means not in my heart, right? So some people want to do a certain thing that doesn't look good on paper, but there's something in their body that says, yes, do that. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? And if you go, I'm going to do this thing because it looks good on paper, that literally means not my heart. So it's not based on what's being presented to you. It's based on what your soul wants to do in the moment. I lived a majority of my life until I had my spiritual awakening, I call it, when I was around 24 years old. And up until 24, I think I definitely lived my life just following, you know, oh, well, that opportunity's there. So that means it's right for me. And then once I had my awakening, I switched. And now everything I do in my business and in my personal life, it's I tune in and I ask myself, does this feel like a full body hell yeah for me? I close my eyes. I go within. Does this business opportunity, is this business opportunity a full body hell yeah? Yes or no? Is this dinner invite a full body hell yeah? Yes or no? And that's how I literally live my life now. However, you said this before, you know, when you are going for lunch with a friend or going out for dinner with a friend and you're desperately hoping that they cancel. Does that mean, A, you just need some time for yourself and you'd love to have a bath and stay home, or B, that the friendship is maybe not for you anymore? I definitely wouldn't come to the second conclusion because you can definitely have a very best friend in your life and still just feel too depleted to go out. So getting too caught in the reason is a great way, I find, to escape what the feeling is in the now, meaning like I'm supposed to hang out with a friend and we had the plan for like a week. And then I hear this part of my body hoping they cancel. (laughs) Okay. I know that all I know and all I need to know is I need to cancel right now. Right? Like, I don't know why there's no blame. There's nothing wrong. It could very well just be that I'm tired. It could very well be, I don't feel it. Maybe I'm intuiting. It's not safe to go. Maybe I don't, you know what I mean? So, but if I get too caught, that can be a reason. What you just said is I actually don't feel good with this person, but I've had some people that are the highest people in my life. And I just, just felt like I just, my highest is telling me to go to bed, you know? And that's, that's a great example of why the circumstance isn't necessarily the factor, right? Because it's just your body trying to tell you, your body's so clearly trying to say, I want you to eat this. I want you to meditate. I want you to stop working now. I want you to go to bed early. Like it's always trying to tell you those kind of things, right? So if you get too, I don't want them to hang out with me. So does that mean I don't like them? Now you're using that to not just do what you need to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then that, oh, wow, I don't like them. And I'm creating a meaning. But you're also creating a meaning from you haven't followed your highest calling yet. So the meaning could be false because you're not in your authentic self until you tell them, (laughs) until you tell them no. Do you get what I'm saying? And your people pleaser is the thing that's going to go to dinner otherwise. Totally. Because I know in the past, I've definitely felt that where I'm like, oh, I just want them to cancel. And then I've run off with the story of, well, does that mean like I don't, want to be friends with them anymore? Does that mean our friendship has expired? Does that mean our friendship has run its course? And I've gone off in the story when 
truly in the moment, maybe I just needed to go to bed early and journal about some emotions that were coming up for me that day. So I kind of missed that opportunity to address what was bubbling up inside me and instead made it about this friendship and made stories up around this friendship that maybe we're not aligned anymore or whatever. And then had a conversation with my husband about it. Well, I don't know, like she said this or, you know, it's just you run off, your inner critic, your inner ego runs off with these stories when what it's really trying to do is just to get you to sit and be still and go within. And it's funny because that part of you that talks to your husband is negotiating and analyzing like that. That is what stays alive until you make the decision. And when you make the decision, that pattern dies. You get more in your pattern or in your power. When you finally just, without even knowing why, without even analyzing or assessing or anything, follow the thing that it's saying to do without knowing why. You just, in fact, if you know why, it's usually not a highest calling because a highest calling is trying to take you to territory you've never seen before. And your reason and understanding why is always including your past, right? So it's trying to make sense with what you've already seen. So when you hear this thing that just shows up in your body, another way I know it's my highest is if I'm not justifying it. And I know it's not my highest if I'm justifying it. To give you an example, this career that I have, I don't justify it. If I'm talking about it to someone, I go, I don't go, I mean, it's a good job. It's fun and it's good for me. And it, you know, I get, you know, I get attention from it. That's someone who doesn't want this job. And if I was like about my daughter, like she gets good medical. So I guess I'll keep being her dad. You know that, <laughs> you know, like obviously there'd be no way I would say something like that. And she should be very insulted if that's how I talked about her. You know, I guess she's good to have as a daughter because, you know, she's nice. <laughs> but we do know what it's like when you go, I hate this job, but you know what? I am going to get a promotion soon. You know what that is? That moment right there. That's your mind explaining to you why you're ignoring your body. Your body knew within one second what to do, but it's taking you to a territory you've never seen before. So you usually ignore that. And then you follow this second kind of explanation thing. And then you have to use being in your head to explain why you didn't follow it, which keeps you in your head. So you start to be more in your head. Do you get what I'm saying? Because you're, that's what's staying alive now in order for you to keep this thing that doesn't align with you. Oh, yeah. Yes. This resonates so deeply. Yeah. You never are justifying the things that are for your highest self. You're never justifying that. You're not justifying your role. You're not justifying why you're there or why you went. But it is those things like, yeah, like, you know, a relationship. Yeah. But, you know, we don't fight that much or yeah, but it doesn't matter that we don't have sex all the time. You know, why are you even justifying it? Yes, exactly. If I asked a couple if they're doing well and they said, yeah, we don't fight that much, they're not a 10. <laughs> or if just anyone says any reason why it's good, that's not a 10. Like I had a woman the other day tell me, I just got a job offer and it's a good job offer. And I'm trying to figure out, I already knew at this point I could feel in the tone. The answer is no. She's like, I got a good job offer and I'm trying to figure out. And after that, she goes, it's a really rare job offer. Dude, when you're a yes, you don't need any of this. You would never say that unless you're a no, right? But if you're used to living at a seven out of 10 in your life, you'll probably take it and keep staying disconnected from the highest you. 
So when she talked about it, I could feel the true answer for her is no. Then she said, it's a job that a ton of other people really want. You're selling me on it because you're selling yourself on it. Yes. Right? Yes, totally. You're selling me on it because you're trying to sell yourself on it, whether it's the job, the relationship, the food, whatever it is, the holiday, the car, the purchase, whatever. You're selling, you're trying to sell me because you're trying to sell yourself. Yes. You got to make sense out of why you're ignoring your soul because otherwise you're just ignoring your soul and we don't want to do that. So we got to make sense out of it. It's okay that I'm ignoring my soul because I will get a promotion. It's okay that I'm ignoring my soul because that person took me to dinner once, even though they're actually really crappy to me. It's okay that I'm like, you literally have to explain to yourself. So if you're explaining why you're doing something in your life, know that it's not a 10. Or this one. It's okay that I'm ignoring my soul in this relationship because we've got three kids. Yep. We, th- that's a great reason. So your kids can learn to ignore their soul. Yes. And <laughs> stay in a relationship that isn't true for them because... Yeah, your kids do the same thing. Wow. Wow. That's a big yeah. one because I have heard that so many times from people I don't personally know very well. And then also friends, like, you know, people that I know really well have said that to me. You know, we've got three or four kids and I'm just going to ignore my soul. Like, oh, knife in the heart. What a horrible burden to put on the kids. You're the reason I ignored my soul. That You think that's not going to become obvious, subtle resentment? You think that's not going to become the kid just feeling like they're worthless? Because you were too scared to follow what you know you need to. Then you blame the kids on top of it. And you think the kids don't know? They know. You don't have to say it. Like You don't have to actually use your words to say it. They know that their parents are unhappy. They know that their parents are ignoring their soul. I don't think we give children enough credit. Like my 13-month-old baby, she knows everything. Like she is, she is so intelligent. All kids are. They are so intelligent. They know everything. She picks up things that she's never seen Like the first time she saw a hairbrush, she knew exactly what to do with it. I mean, that's just a little example, right? But they know what to do with things. They know what is going on because it's all energy and they feel that energy. You can feel resentment. It is palpable. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I have a daughter that's almost five now and she's amazing. And when she was probably 18 months, I remember that if I was having an off day, she would be screaming. And if I meditated that day, when I held her, she would fall right to sleep. And I could, I could see it was very clear. I got this massive mirror that like, if I meditated that day, she had a different emotional reaction. And it happened so many times that I realized that's not a coincidence. She's actually just picking up energy. And if I'm in this chaos or I'm ignoring my heart, and I'm in some kind of resentment or I'm in my head about it, she was screaming that day. (laughs) It wasn't even just she's picking it up. It was just like, she's a different human being than if I was in my power, following my truth, feeling good, feeling connected to source. And then around her, she would just like go to sleep. She would fall asleep instantly if I was in a vibrational, amazing state, right? So that's how much they know, right? Absolutely. We spoke before about your client who felt like it was selfish for her to start a podcast. 
something that I hear a lot about, and I'm I'm not sure if you do too. Maybe it's more from the female side. I'm not sure, but I'd love to hear your perspective. This parent guilt, you know, mama guilt. We spoke about it before, like doing something for ourselves, filling ourselves up, this guilt that comes up. What is going on? How can we move through that? Because I know, right, I know that I want my daughter to fill herself up. I want her to see a mama who is taking care of herself, who is going to meditate, who is doing things that light her up. I want her to see me do that. And I do. I do do all of those things. And sometimes guilt pops up for me, that feeling of guilt. What is that about? What's going on? And what is your advice for that? Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I'm a father, not a mother. And so I know there's a level where I don't know the entire experience, but I sure am witnessing it firsthand and can bring how I see the world to it. One of the things I just want to acknowledge that I'm really learning about mothers is, man, how much they're unconsciously there every second for their kid. That's why they feel guilt. I watched my daughter's mother, Christy, like two nights ago. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. I don't think she will because the real point of this is really how amazing she is. But she was saying, I hope that I'm bringing enough structure to Vivi because she was having an off day, you know, and everything. And she was saying, I hope I'm bringing enough structure. And then the next day, Vivi was at school and then a dance class and stuff like that. And we were going to get a smoothie. And Christy goes, you know what? The school brings structure. So I think she's okay. And that's the moment I realized this has been on your mind for 12 hours, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I just said, you're so amazing. And I just watched her like feel and tear up. And she was just always thinking of our daughter and just... I could see how much it's just she can't help it. So I just want to acknowledge, first of all, maybe part of the reason moms feel guilt is they're so massively wired to be incredible caretakers for these kids, way more than overall in a different way dads are. Dads have great things too, but there's a way that moms have that wiring, which is why they have more of the guilt. That also doesn't mean there isn't massive callings showing up for every woman that also can be a mother. So there's another thing going on, which is like, I still want to get my gift out or share this thing, or I want to serve in my purpose, or I want to just go get massages also, and I, and I feel this other thing. And of course, you need to do that. And then a third level is also looking at, I understand on one level, this guilt is here because of this amazing mother that, every, that these women are. At the same time, I want to offer not doing something out of the burying of guilt, but we're in a new consciousness to also look at why this guilt is here. Meaning like, also follow your heart, but on an even higher level, did you have a dad that said, you'll never measure up to anything and you have a pattern that you have to achieve something to prove something to him? Or did you have a mom that was just only about being what you achieve? And so you're doing it to do this and maybe also... So we're not just kind of pendulum swinging on, look, I'm a mom, now I'm an achiever, it's only one or the other, that there's also the you in the now that just needs to be held by this moment and feel the love of the now that you're loved, even if you don't achieve, and then maybe you can create amazing things as a byproduct of that. So 
if you're in a place where you got to get something done because then you're enough, I recommend to anybody, moms or dads or people with no kids, don't create from there. Don't create from when I do something, then I'm enough. You're not going to believe how much more effortless creation happens if you start with I'm enough. And we don't necessarily kind of compartmentalize. Now I'm a mom. Now I'm a CEO. Now I'm, no, you're God. And you sometimes are mothering and sometimes creating over here and doing amazing things or taking care of yourself or getting a chiropractor appointment or working out or doing yoga, like getting more that you're this moment also can help the freedom because there's really been a curse put on all of us that we are what we do. And so there's this constant escape that I need to do something else versus you are loved because you exist. You were loved because of now. So I get a lot of moms as clients that are in that kind of battle. And I notice also sometimes the desire to achieve is out of the, the F you to a parent who said you'll never amount to something or you're not like a sibling or something like that. And you don't want to necessarily create from that energy. So you can also get present and heal that and then see what creation comes through. And you'll just as a byproduct become so much more source and your kid will see that feel safer with you. I mean, it all works together at the same time. So that's my offer while understanding I do not have the same biology as a mother while being very aware that my advice has its limitations too, but that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I love that perspective and it allows us to go within and really ask, why do we want to achieve this? Yeah. Is it the pattern from a childhood, you know, being told that we won't amount to anything? It's really an opportunity to go within and dig deep and also ask yourself the question, yeah, where is that guilt coming from? Because I know for me, I love being a mum so much and I had no idea how much I would love it. It is just the most beautiful gift in the entire world. And when you were talking about your partner, I was getting so emotional because I've been there. I know, like sometimes not even the next day, like five days later, I'll say, yeah, and you know, at least the school gives her structure. Like that's me. I've done that so many times. And so I love being a mom so much and I love doing my work. I love it. And yesterday I went and had lunch with my best friend and she has a baby as well, similar age to my baby. And I got so full after this lunch, not as in because of what I ate, but like my soul was so full. I had an hour and a half with my best friend, just us two, no babes, no husbands. We sat there. It was just so beautiful. Like my soul was just buzzing. It was one of those interactions where you walk away and you just like, that was the best time ever. It was one of those. And I came back to my daughter. I was so full and I was able to just give her so much love and presence because I was just overflowing. My cup was overflowing. And I think as parents, we do need to make sure that we are filling ourselves up. And if there is a block to it, oh, it's selfish or I feel guilty, we need to look at that and address that. Because in order for you to show up as the best parent that you can be, you need to be full. You need to do the things that fill you up, the meditation, the working out, the eating clean, the getting fresh air, having a lunch date with your best friend, whatever it is. I know for me, like when I do those things and I am full, I am 
a way better mama. I am the best mama that I can be. And that's what I want my daughter to feel. Mm, yes, that's completely accurate. I mean, I've seen people deplete themselves so much and then they're just trying to give to their kids from nothing. I, I know people can get very easily exhaustion and adrenal fatigue and just really wipe themselves out and overexert themselves. And I've learned so much by watching Vivi's mom and how much she went through in everything and how much she's like learning to do that too. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's weird because it's, I can, I'm learning how much more that it applies to all of us, but how much more I can see that women have been put in this kind of world that you are only one or the other. And that you're either screaming on this one side for this one thing, or you're a mom and you don't have any other thing. And there's tons of stuff that men have gone through both ways too. Or just that any one of us is that we are what we achieve is such a crazy thing. So people have just been taught to dismiss whatever, your healing, your sleep, or whatever, because the first priority is where there's a money opportunity. Or, you know, that's just craziness. And we have so prioritized money or, you know, in just if we keep a job we don't like, we prioritize money. You're literally making it more your God than yourself. And one thing I said on a video that I released today, actually, or the day that (laughs) you released it, I released it several days ago. One real trick to raising your everything, your value, your health, your power, your wealth, your joy. There's one factor, I think, That is such a corny thing, but if you really get what I'm saying, it's huge. Is the understanding that there literally is only one you. Like, I'm not just saying the Mr. Rogers quote here. If it's not just that there's only one you, it's that you understand that and you move in accordance with that. And then you start to realize you're so rare that you're literally the only one. So you stop making, how many friends do I have that my job might fire me? Money's bigger than me. You stop. And you literally start going, oh, there's literally only one Kyle Cease that's exactly me. Like, no one can deliver the way I can deliver. They all have their own unique ways that I can't deliver. But I got to make sure that I'm well-rested, that I eat healthy, that I say no when it's a no, that I don't say yes to something just because it's a financial or a should thing if it doesn't call to me. I'm rarer than money. I'm rarer than that thing. And when people start to get that, there's literally only one of you. Melissa, like, and you start to move in accordance with that, then saying no to something that doesn't align with you is very easy because you're the rare commodity in your life, right? And so, so you need this to recoup this. You need to get massages. You need to care for yourself. You need to do yoga. You need to whatever, right? You're rarer than all of the stuff that you could lose, right? And we move as if we're replaceable and the thing that we're losing isn't. Yeah, exactly. I always say to my clients that you are the best in the entire world at being you. No one can do you like you. No one. I mean, people can emulate, they can copy, they can try, but no one, no one in this entire world can be Kyle Cease. No one in this entire world. You are the best in the entire world at one thing, and that is you. And we need to remember that. You're amazing at you. You're freaking the best. And we need to remember that. And we need to remember that, yeah, there is only one us, and we're awesome at us. 
And our power is in if we move in accordance with that. So yesterday I recorded that video, today I put it out. But last night after I recorded that video, I did one of my things on my Absolutely Everything Pass, my membership site that's just crazy. And I did a Wednesday night live call. And I was, because I was like, God, there really is only one me. Like I'm not just slightly like Eckhart or Abraham Hicks or something. Like there's really just me. I became so much weirder and became so much funnier last night because I used to be a stand-up comic. And so I was bringing that into the call last night. And like on Saturday, I think we're about to release the weirdest, funniest thing that I've ever released as a comedy transformation. I'm so excited about it. But it literally is something that is no one does this like this, you know? And, And it was from me giving myself permission to be like, dude, there's not a way that you need to do this. You need to be just even more aware and move as if it's the truth that you're the only one that's you. And it's not like just a nice quote that feels good. There's a ton of people that have heard you are the only one that's you, but it's a whole different ballgame if you move like that. Because a ton of people hear that and then they still think that they're not worthy of a good relationship because they're so replaceable, <laughs> you know, that they're not worthy of finan- you know, financial abundance because they're so replaceable. So they move like they're just the spoke in a wheel and that they're replaceable in relationships and everything and they don't deserve anything because they're so not rare. Meanwhile, they're the only person. So you got to move in accordance with that too. A hundred percent. And when you fully know that and embody that and move like that, you stop comparing yourself to others. You know, my latest book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy. I talk about comparison a lot. And when you move like you are this rare commodity, this amazing being that you are, you are in your own lane. You're not looking left and right and seeing what everyone else is doing and comparing yourself because you know the truth of who you are, that you are you, you are amazing at you, you are the best in the world at you, and all you need to do is do you. Yeah. And you know what else? You'll only draw other people who get that they're the only one of them. So you don't have these people who believe they're easily replaceable in your life that are these kind of, I'm not judging, but you just lose alignment with all the people pleasers and all the takers and all the controllers and everything because you're just in this power. So you start to have these ridiculously creative, encouraging, supportive, magical friends and you lose the ones that are kind of trying to be like you or don't think that they're enough or whatever. And there's not that many people that get there at the only one. But it's going up more and more and more because we're all ascending right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you do know that, when you know that you're the only one and you have these friendships come into your life and then maybe they leave, you know that that's part of growth. You know, as you're growing and evolving, so are the people that are coming in and out of your life. And I know for me, I used to get really attached to friendships. I used to think, oh, but but we used to have a good time. If, if, if I felt someone leaning out of the friendship, I, I used to think, oh, but you know, why? Like we had a really good time and it was so fun and I would kind of hold on a little bit. But now I realize that that relationship came in and it served its purpose and maybe it's, it's off now. And then another one will come in. And as we are so committed to our own personal growth and evolution, this is the path that we're on. That's going to happen. But how can we not get attached to the friendships in our life? 
So the more that you get that you're the only one, the less attached you are to external circumstances because all of your external circumstances are passing. And the truth of what you are, which is even higher than the unique body that you're in and everything, is the permanent, infinite one that you're just the now, you're all of this. So the more you do this work, the more you understand whatever someone's talking crap about you, that won't be a thing in two weeks. Or, you know, and you just don't get participating too much in the passing circumstances. And if you are caught in the circumstances, that's actually a trauma response. That's actually a childhood you that's trying to not lose dad's affection or something like that. Only a pattern that thinks you're the small separate self gets too caught in passing circumstances. The more you're moving towards the oneness version, the true you, the expanded you, you understand that your external circumstances are all a byproduct of your connection to yourself. In fact, you start to get, holy crap, the world is mirroring me. This is a mirror of me. So if that's the case, like the world is mirroring you. The more I do this work, the more like those people calling me after I release them, you know, even when you have an energy, like now the world would have to mirror to you that you're powerless to other people waking up versus you just waking yourself up, right? Like the mirror will show you exactly what you are. So the passing circumstances are just a mirror. And if you get more excited about what is calling inside of you, that invisible force, and then follow it, you'll notice the circumstances change and it's totally fine. Absolutely. Oh, I love this so much. What is your definition of success? And what do you attribute your success to? Because I believe everyone has a different definition. What's your definition? What if I said everything in the world? Like what if? (laughs) Yeah, I, I love that. My first answer was okay with the moment, but no, because being off of the moment teaches you something about your own childhood patterns. So I would actually say you are success. There's no way you're not. Even if you have the worst life, maybe just being aware of that. Like I'm not saying, so start aiming for something bad. I'm saying start to get okay with where you're at. Start to, no matter what your circumstances, get okay with it. The more you're okay with it, the more the world will heal it. The more you're in resistance and trying to get somewhere else than your current circumstance, the more the universe has to make it worse and worse. So if you can start off, like massive success to me is being okay with where you're at, no matter where you're at. The more you do that, the faster it'll change because the only reason you're on this planet, I believe, truly is to learn love. And that goes into the parenting, that goes into the relationships, that whatever. So you making your priority learning love by being okay with what is I don't mean passive and take bad circumstances and be with crappy people. I mean, learning to not be in an argument with what is so that the patterns inside of you that are trying to get somewhere else because they believe there's such thing as past or future can settle into you. You will be shocked at how fast the universe changes your circumstances if you're not in resistance to them. Mm, I love that so much. You mentioned before you used to be a stand-up comic and an actor. How did you transition to what you're doing now, this transformational comedy? Like, how did you get into this? Were your parents in stand-up? Were they actors? Were they into personal development? How did this unfold? Well, actually, I'll say this. So I, I, start, I was a stand-up comic. I had two top Comedy Central specials. I did over a thousand colleges as a stand-up. I headlined all the clubs in the country pretty much and toured all over, had a, an amazing career. I also did two... I did several movie and TV appearances, but the two biggest ones that people know was the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. I played the nerdy kid who threw the party. 
and not another teen movie. I played this recurring character called the slow clapper who keeps trying to get everyone to clap, but it's always the wrong time. It's, it's actually a funny part. It sounds like a nothing thing, but it was cool. They were so fun. And that was such a crazy time in my life. I started as a child, actually. I was born into a family of entertainers. My dad's uncle was the prop man for a comedian named Gallagher, who was an 80s comedian who smashed watermelons at the end of his show. He's kind of a prop comic and was funny in the 80s. And my grandma was a famous puppeteer. She was on the Carol Burnett show. She did puppets for Bob Hope and, I don't know, Phyllis Diller and all these famous people. And my mom's brother is a, an amazing Grammy-nominated jazz musician. And entertainment was somewhat normal in my family. But I will say that that helped, but uh, there was not any family member that's like, we need to get you doing this, or I'm going to call this agent or whatever. I just, as a child, was lucky enough that when I said something funny, my parents laughed and they encouraged me. My dad, I remember taking me to Hollywood when I was 15 to do clubs. I was a working comic at around 15, 16. I was doing clubs at 12, but I was probably working 15, 16. I was a headliner at 18. And I had an amazing beginning of my life career up until about 32. And there were a lot of different shifts that I went through. But one was just the basic revelation that I had a a thought in my head all the time that I think a lot of performers had and almost all humans have, which is when something happens, I'll be happy. And I believed fully that when something happens, I'll be happy. So I would always be excited about the next role that I'm playing or the next Comedy Central thing or whatever, or the next person to date or the next money or whatever. And then I get it. And then if that's my source of happiness, I better not lose it. So I'd be like, what's next? And I'd be more codependent on it. And so I noticed this kind of illness that we have that always was in when something happens, I'll be happy. So this is where I like left motivation even and even a drive to get something. And I kind of shifted to an energy of when I'm happy, things will happen. And by happy, I meant just being okay with myself if I'm off, being okay with myself if I'm angry, whatever. And I started crying out little addictive patterns and then things started coming to me like just... I was less attached to results and more excited about what was the force was in me and way more things showed up in my life. So once that switch was fully realized and I did a lot of stuff to really work it in, which was a lot of letting go and following a highest calling, I started creating this evolving out loud business and switched combining comedy and then transformation And, you know, I get to do both. And for the last 12 years, um, I've been doing enormous events. I did New York Times bestselling book and then another one that I like more. And I've had an amazing career combining comedy and transformation and really living this. You know, I meditate every day. I really live this every second. My career is not my highest. It's a byproduct of me following my highest. And I've really learned that I've connected with the universe and the dialogue I have with it is I'm on this planet to know who I truly am. And I'm open to losing whatever I have to lose or learning whatever I have to learn to do it. And so it's always ascending and it's always getting more powerful. And then as a byproduct, the content that comes through seems to really be more and more magical and unique and powerful. 
and I've lost my addiction to what the results are and they seem to be getting bigger and bigger in their own way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I first heard about you about 10 years ago. My best friend who has since passed away, she passed away from cancer many years ago. She told me about you. She was obsessed with you. Her name was Jess Ainsco and she was obsessed with you. And she said to me, Mel, you've got to check this guy out. He does like transformational comedy and she would watch your videos. And I don't know if she interviewed you or maybe she wanted to interview. She was also known as the wellness warrior. So I'm not sure if she did actually interview you or reach out to you. And so she told me about you. And so I've known about you from a really long time. And then I realized that you were in those movies as well and and since been following your work. So I just love that I'm now getting to interview you and I feel like I'm interviewing you on behalf of her, you know, and that makes me really emotional even just saying that. I feel like, yeah, she really wanted, you know, to have a beautiful conversation with you and I feel like I'm doing that on behalf of her. So I love the work that you do and yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared. I remember Jess, actually. I remember her. I remember meeting her online and I believe we also met and had lunch too. In LA? I can't remember where. I just remember seeing her at a restaurant and talking to her once. Yes. And talking to her a few times online and her being so real and so excited and so sweet. I'm so thankful you reminded me of her. She was just light and so sweet. I remember her very well, actually. It just took me a minute, but like I was like, of course, I remember her. She wrote a book that she sent me. and Yeah, she wrote Make Peace With Your Plate, and she loved you so much. She thought you were hilarious. But yeah, and when I was working on my research for this interview, I was like, oh, did they interview each other? Like, did she interview you? And I was searching online and I couldn't find anything, but I, I didn't know whether that happened or whether you connected, but I knew you had connected and I didn't know the degree of how much you connected, but now it's coming back to me. Yeah. You guys had lunch in LA one time or, or something like that. So I love I that. Think it so was much. LA. I, can't, I can't remember where it was. I just know that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And she was a sweetheart. Yeah. She was such a beautiful, beautiful person and loved your work. So thank you for bringing some joy and light to her. She absolutely loved you so much. Oh, well, and that's, that's a huge like honor. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. She taught me so much and her transitioning taught me so much. And, you know, she reminds me every day to be in my highest self. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for our time that we did get to share. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, my friend, I have a few more questions for you. Let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Besides your books, The Illusion of Money, and I hope I screw this up, which I really wanted to talk about both of those as well, but maybe I'll bring you back on to chat about those. Let's pretend that both of those are in the curriculum already because they're incredible books. If you had to choose one other book, that every high school student around the world would read, what would it be? I think it'd be from David Hawkins. It's either Power Versus Force or Letting Go, I think. I think David Hawkins is... Did you ever study David Hawkins? Have you ever read him? I have not read those books, but I am adding them to my list. 
Yeah. I mean, another person I love and I've had on our membership site is David Rico. He wrote a book called How to Be an Adult, and I think he's incredible. And so David seemed to do a great job, but <laughs> David Hawkins' Power versus Force is just amazing. And he, read the book if you get it. If you do Letting Go, you could do the Audible or the book. But I think Power versus Force is being read by David Hawkins, and I think he's buzzed during it. So, <laughs> so it loses its touch because it's coming through drunk. I might be wrong too. But when you, when you read Power versus Force changed my life and it's, and it's rewiring me, to really understanding what seems like on a scientific level that the highest contribution you can make to the world is your vibration. It's not from doing, doing, doing and making sure everyone's happy while depleting yourself. It's raising your vibration. And the book shows how they've found through different scientific testing that different things like have a different number. Like so pride is 175. And then when you get up to, you know, and, and guilt is like 50 or something. I don't remember the numbers, but when you get up to 200, you switch from kind of a selfish energy to a, you know, service to others energy. And it's kind of what different things serve at. So it teaches you how to like, you can pick up a book and know the number of it, like that it's whatever. This book is like 540. So you learn how to follow things in terms of frequency and the value. So if like Jesus's teachings and what Jesus lived is a thousand, imagine that you're moving up in this energetic thing. And as far as higher vibration, having a measurable thing. And after reading it, it gave me this very tangible new way of seeing things. So I feel like I'm in more service as long as I'm raising my vibration. So I'm being authentic with myself and asking myself if a lower vibration me is choosing this than a higher. So David Hawkins offers that and the book Letting Go also, The Eye of the Eye. These are David Hawkins is the best, I think. Oh, well, I will link to that in the show notes as well as your incredible books. And uh, if anyone wants to grab those, they can get them. But can you talk us through a quote unquote typical day in your life? I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day. Like, what are your routines? Talk us through a typical day for you. Do you meditate? Do you work out? Can you go from when you wake up to when you go to bed? Well, one thing is this new not eating every other day. So that's just a thing that's factored in. And yeah, I wake up and I meditate. And unless my daughter runs into the room and I definitely give her attention and then go back to meditating, I get a workout in about five days a week with a trainer. I'm now down to doing one one-on-one -on -one a day. I'll do one one-on-one -on -one in the morning. I've got a lot of my energy in our Absolutely Everything Pass. It is the, it's our membership site. It is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's so, it is so cool. And so, you know, we have a team meeting every once in a while, or I do a live call. I do a live call on Sunday and I do a live call Wednesday and answer people's stuff. And then I love working on that. I love, love, love having amazing real moment talks and connecting with Vivi's mom, Christy. She and I are just slowly, really, as a byproduct of our work on ourselves, finding an amazing, much deeper foundation-based connection than we'd ever had. I, throughout the entire day, throughout almost every moment, I'm asking myself what the truest me is with almost every decision. And it's not like in a nervous, anxiety-based way, but you just start to gently hear like, okay, 
my body's done eating now. Like, don't go get more. Don't go get a coffee. It's a lot of don't. It really likes this kind of just relax, just listen to the wind. Just there's a lot of that. I put a hammock in the backyard and I just love sitting and having no phone for a couple hours. And just you go into the deepest sleep. Like it is just so my highest to get good sleep and play with my daughter who is so funny and so musical. You know, we sing in harmony now. And it's weird because there's nothing that used to be exciting as a circumstantial thing. Like, I don't know, going to Vegas or later we'll go to that thing or soon we'll go on a trip. None of that does anything for me because the now is bigger. I'll still do those things, but there's so much fulfillment in the now. There really is. And I'm so grateful for how 2020 and 2021 pushed us into that. Some of us, I know it didn't all of us, but for me, it, it forced me into a now. I was about to do a tour with a bunch of huge speakers and I lived on the road. I was only used to having a suitcase next to the door and I always was a touring speaker and I haven't been on a plane since the beginning of COVID and other than to fly to a darkness retreat for 10 days. But other than that, I just like, this now is enough and it's turning out to be more, it's, it's more fulfilling. We have more followers than we've ever had, more people doing the work, more people on the absolutely everything pass. It's just crazy. I don't, I feel like right now I could be offered a huge movie role. I don't know that I'd take it. I just love the now and I don't need to do anything. And if it, if it was an expansive role, maybe, but I like resting. I like doing nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been such a big shift for everyone. So yeah, I love that you love being home so much and it's it's so grounding. I think for me as well, I used to travel so much. I used to go to LA back and forth and I used to love traveling. And since having a baby, I love being home. I love it. I just love it so much. Like my husband's like, let's go to Europe. And I'm like, I don't want to go to Europe. Like I just love being here so much and having the energy in our home is just so beautiful. And just being inside our four walls, I love so much. And I think COVID allowed us to simplify our life and get really intentional about what lights us up. And I know what lights us up and it's being in my four walls with my loved ones. Well, the funny thing about how we used to live, I really believe like back in 2015, 2016, life was you just are used to you live in your head at home and a vacation would help you get in the moment. And now we've been so forced into a truer, higher self that there's nowhere else that you need to be because the happiness is here. You can go on a trip, but we aren't starting as much with the same like, living in your head, depleting energy that a trip can help you heal. You're enough here. So I know that if I see on a game show, someone won a trip, <laughs> like I feel like such a jerk. I'm just like, oh man, now you have to go do that. <laughs> yes. No, there's that obligation. You got to go do it now. But yeah, like it's interesting because I used to really look forward to trips and wanting to escape and go away. And yeah, I just love my life so much. I love being here. I love my day to day. I know a lot of people don't feel like that. They feel like it's very Groundhog Day, but I just, I love it. I love what's happening in my four walls. 
Well, for everyone watching, they can know that Groundhog Day is the point of Groundhog Day is that life is trying to get you to get how to really make the most out of a day. And it, it's, it's not necessarily that you achieved a bunch. It could be that you're just here or that you just forgive or whatever, and you will move forward like at the end of the movie. And life is like that in a way. And I really think there's something profound about the last two years because you were forced out of that. No matter what you understand about whether, if this is a government agenda or whatever, know that we all got a two-year timeout. <laughs> like, you know, when you go to a meditation retreat, you don't talk for 10 days, right? So here we are going into stores. Now, I, I'm not saying this is, I'm pro-mask or anything, but it is funny that I'm going into stores like really thinking twice before I talk to anyone because we're going to be talking through a mask and I'm just like less like attached to everybody and more listening to myself and a little more silent and a little more inward in the last two years and made much higher decisions because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Forgive. Forgive everything. Let go of anything. <laughs> and if you don't like that answer, be there for what shows up for that. Because you're tied to your past and the now is trying to do a ton of amazing stuff with you. And that's including you not holding on to stuff, which can create massive problems in your cells and your body and create exhaustion because you're holding on to a false life that doesn't exist. Just forgive. There's now happening. It's magical. It's fine. It's got magic for you. So my instant answer is forgive. And if you want one thing, that's my, that's the highest one. Oh, I love that so much. And what is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Start with the understanding that you are abundance and that every dollar you've ever made came from you. So get more excited about you than money, right? Every dollar you made came from you. And also look at how you talk about money and then ask yourself if you were money on a date with you, would you like to date you? Meaning like, think of the things we say about money. It's never enough. You're the root of all evil. I'm going to use you to get people to like me. And now imagine if someone just said that to you on a date, you're not enough. You're the root of all evil. You're never enough. I'm so tired of looking at you. What we really want in a, and when we go on a date with someone is to know they see us as enough it is, as is. So even if your account's in the negative, start out thankful for it. Yeah. And they can read your book because The Illusion of Money, oh, amazing. I prefer if anyone was getting one of my books, I would say get The Illusion of Money. I love that book. Okay. Awesome. I love that. All right. Final one. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Mm. Start by understanding and moving as if you understand that it only exists now, that it's not something that in someone else that requires that you're in lack. Start off with that you're complete as is, find it in the now, and you'll be shocked at how much life matches that and brings someone else who's in that same frequency. But when you're in your hole and they're in their hole, one plus one is infinity versus one half plus one half equals one fourth. Yes. Beautiful. I love that so much. This has been so amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't discussed? 
I would love to plug real quick the Absolutely Everything Pass, if it's okay, and just explain what it is for a second. Is that okay? A hundred percent. We've created this thing that a few years ago, when we started it, I did one call a week with an audience and we put a backlog of all of our live past events that each of them themselves used to be like a thousand bucks each. And now the Absolutely Everything Pass It's $29 a month and we're doing six events a week and we're bringing in other speakers too. And it's now backlogged with close to about a thousand hours of backlog footage from all of my live events, all of my entrepreneurial events, everything. And the price of the absolutely everything pass is going to go up to 79 a month in August. But if anyone gets it before, they're grandfathered in for life as, as long as they stay in at 29 bucks a month. So I think that we're creating what I think is the most expansive change your life. You're a part of a community if you want, or you can do it as an introverted being. I'm about your soul's expansion. And there are so many things in the absolutely everything pass. And it's literally $29 a month. And it's just crazy what's happening in it. And it's crazy how much my passion about it is making it bigger and bigger. And Dr. Kim DeRamo has joined it and she's now a monthly feature. But I do these talks that are getting more and more profound. I just did episode 187 last night. And it's just crazy what's coming through. And these people are saying it's so much more expensive to not have it. And if people get like right now, you can get it. I'm not trying to do a sale But I'm just saying it was $29 a month from the very beginning. And now we do six events a week versus one. And you pick and choose what you go to. But there's a guy doing breath work there. We got teammates doing these things. We do this thing called It's Totally Possible, where you go into a room with another person, you just riff all the things that are possible. So you're sitting there going, it's totally possible that I could heal this. It's totally possible that I'm in a higher frequency. It's totally possible the world heals itself. And then the other person does. And then you're in this frequency where it's possible. And these people have these stories of that happening this week. So they absolutely everything passed. They can get on my website, kylecease.com or absolutelyeverything.tv. And I really believe in creating the most insane, unique value for almost nothing. And that's what it is. I promise you, it'll change your life if you're a part of it. Oh, Sounds amazing. I'm in. I'm in. And we will link to it in the show notes with everything else that we've mentioned in today's episode. And before I go, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for not only giving us your time today, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and to connect with you. But I want to thank you also for all the work that you do in the world. You are inspiring and supporting so many people. You are serving so many people. So I want to know what I and the listeners can do to give back to you today? How can we serve you? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm just, by being in your highest, like there's just by you being in your truth, like if you follow your highest, when you have an option that you know is just an addictive pattern and you follow your highest, you raise the collective consciousness of the world. So by doing that, my daughter is safer. So I just want you to see it that way. Your kids are safer. We're all on a higher, higher vibration if you follow that higher you. And if you do that, anyone that has control or manipulative agendas are going to lose that control and maybe even heal themselves too. So if you're so certain about the dark things that are coming up in the world, know that the world's mirroring you. So if you follow your highest, you are going to create a different world than the world you're anticipating is coming. 
And we go in lockdowns in the world because we've put ourselves in lockdowns before that. You know, every time we said yes to a dinner we didn't want to go to or stayed in a relationship we weren't sure about, we put ourselves in lockdown and we locked down our soul. So the world had to mirror that. And, and it's up to us to follow that higher self. So for me, if you followed, if you like this content and you follow your heart after this, you are making the world collectively better for my family, for your family. I'm right next to you doing the work. We all have the same job with the same boss. And join me on the Absolutely Everything Pass and your life will change. I promise. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh, you are amazing. Thank you so much. On behalf of Jess, I'm I'm so grateful that we got this time together. Thank you for everything that you do. This has been awesome. And when you come to Australia, we definitely have to connect and I will be at any of your events or shows or anything you do because that would be so much fun. I would love that. And I want to thank you for asking me such good high vibe questions that help me bring the higher me kind of a pull-up energy like i just felt you are obviously so in the work so i was able to really talk from a freer place so i really love this interview and it's so good to see you and i'm so thankful for all the work you do and we should have you on a future episode of the absolutely everything pass too yes let's do it i would love that so much absolutely so thank you my love you are amazing and i am so grateful that you are out there being the best version of yourself possible. Thank you. Love you so much. We got this. What an awesome conversation and a beautiful human being. I loved this conversation so much and got a lot out of it. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. And please come and connect with me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I love hearing from you and connecting with you. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. 